Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. Your home for hockey talk covering every team in the NHL. New episodes every Monday. Download at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. This is the Leaf Sky Podcast. Here's your host, Jim Taddy. Hi, everybody. Thank you, Mike Ross, for that fine introduction. Welcome to Leaf Sky, episode 133. Jim Taddy with you for the next 25 minutes or so. Our special guest today is my partner on TSN 1050 Leafs coverage and former Leaf defenseman Frank Corrado as we go over the Leafs trip, which is now four games in, and the Leafs sport a 3-1 and record going into the game that finishes off the road trip Saturday night in Nashville against the Predators. And so the ultimate question would be, how would you describe what you've seen so far? Well, kind of a listless performance in Florida, and that doubled in with a loss at home to Chicago, which was troublesome because they started with the shootout win over Montreal, and then the 7-4 win over Minnesota. And you were thinking when Chicago came to town, as good as Connor Bedard is, the rest of the Hawks are not, that the Leafs would roll, and they did not look good in that game. They didn't really look good in the 3-1 loss in Florida, but in Tampa, after they pulled Samson off, Joseph Wall came in and stoned the Tampa Bay Lightning. The Leafs won at 4-3 in overtime, recalling wins in the playoff series against Tampa last spring. They go on to Washington, don't start well. Wall, again, a factor. And Thursday night in Dallas, it was a good start by the Leafs, but in the second period, Wall again was the game story as the Leafs win 4-1. So what you come out of this with is the goaltender, Wall, the backup, is emerging as a number one, and he is buying the Leafs some time to find their legs. Obviously, the top four forwards are doing a nice job in that Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander look great. And boy, does Nylander look great on a nightly basis. I mean, this guy is just blossoming. He's got that veteran poise. He's a different player than he was even a couple of years ago, as good as he was then. And he is a treat to watch. It's the support players that are trying to find fits on this team. And it's interesting to watch that. The blue line is a bit of a a problem because of injuries now. So we'll see where all of that goes. Just before we get into our conversation with Frankie Corrado, the NFL season is going strong and DraftKings Sportsbook is hooking new customers up with an offer that is even stronger. Bet five bucks on any game this week to score $200 instantly in bonus bets and DraftKings isn't stopping there. All customers can take advantage of a sweetener offer every game this October. Get in on the game day greatness. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the code THPN. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets when you bet five in the NFL. The promo code is THPN, only on DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for complete details. All right, here is the conversation with Frankie Corrado. All right, Frankie, we're seven games in. The Leafs are five and two. And so I've broken things into different categories. I like your reaction to them. In the outstanding category, the goaltender Joseph Wall and 
William Nylander. These guys are just absolutely fun to watch on a nightly basis. I'm, I'd even be willing to throw John Tavares into the outstanding category. You know, you go back to the summer, and I was probably one of those guys banging this drum about, you know, how can we go into another season where Tavares is the second-line center when the Leafs so desperately wanted to put him on the wing last year? How can, how can we expect him to drive a line at five-on-five? Five? And this was, you know, these were the years where we expected a pretty sharp decline in his game. We haven't seen that now. You know, it's 11 points for John Tavares on the season. Uh, he's played fantastic. You know, going into going into last game against Dallas, he had two goals. Both were at five on five. Both were off the rush. Actually, going into Washington, that was the case. And then he scores another uh, goal in Washington. So, I mean, he's been – he's exceeded expectations. And just going back to Nylander, like Nylander has, is really on route here to cement himself as one of the best right wingers in the league. And that's some pretty significant uh, company he's going to be in with Artemi Panarin and David Pasternak and his own teammate and Mitch Marner, who, you know, is probably a great measuring stick for him, you know, going into a contract situation. Um, and, and Joseph Wall, the goalie, I think a lot of us had a feeling this guy would be good and he would get relied upon this year, and he was going to play a decent amount, maybe not more than Ilya Samsonov to start, but for him to do what he's done in such a quick amount of time speaks volume to his ability, first of all, but his demeanor in the net, his mental strength, all that kind of stuff, um, he's he's been outstanding, and as of right now, um, you know, you think about where the Leafs are at with their goaltending situation, Thank God you have Joseph Wall because Samsonov hasn't looked good right from the drop of the pocket training camp. And this kid looks like he just may be the real deal. Yeah. Opportunities, as you know, present themselves during the course of a season. And it's great when you have somebody there who can take advantage of that. And Wall has done that. I just want to go back to Nylander. Uh, for me, this is the start of his best years in his NHL career. You watch this guy and he plays with confidence. He knows what to do and when to do it. And he'll wait out the, the defensive setup and do it as opposed to before where he would have maybe uh, circled around the net or bailed out or didn't didn't penetrate uh, into the, 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 I guess, the hard spot to, to score a goal. But he knows exactly when to do that now. And that's that's a guy maturing and reaching, uh, I guess, the pinnacle of his career. And we expect this to go on for a number of years. Well, we do, and he's got a little more incentive this season as it is a contract year for him. And, um, you know, there's there's going to be a lot of people vying for his services if he shows that he can do this over the course of an 82-game season. You know, we, we kind of – we always knew the shot. We knew the playmaking ability. That was never going to be an issue. The way he can fly up and down the wing and make things happen at one-on-one -on -one situations. But what we're seeing from Nylander as far as his ability to now pickpocket guys, steal the puck, win battles, beat multiple players and stick battles and come out of those uh, of those situations with the puck, uh, he's he's taken like massive strides in that regard. And, you know, I think the goal, um, sorry, the goal that he scores in Washington is a great example of that, where in the past we've seen Nylander stretch the zone like that, get a long pass take the puck around the net or curl up and look for someone else. It's almost like, it's like he's become this power forward who has all the skill in the world. Like he's got some power forward attributes. And I mean, it's great for Willie. It's obviously great for the team. And, you know, the best case for, for William Nylander this year is, you know, an 87 point season last year, 
if he's, you know, he's going to exceed that. He's going to. Now, if he gets a, if he's a 95, 97 point year, which I think is attainable at this point, barring, you know, any health situations, if he's right there with Mitch Marner or maybe even a little better with Mitch Marner, I, I, I don't know how he doesn't go to the Leafs and other teams and say, well, there's the starting point because I just, right. you know, I just exceeded that guy and he makes $10.95 million. So like a, a lot needs to be played out before then, but he's off to a great start and he's been, you know, through seven games here, he's been the Leafs best player. Uh, the other category I had was return to form. I had Tavares there, and, and I just maybe we should just push that off to the side because he's done a marvelous job over the last two summers of fine tuning it and finding a way to get to another level as opposed to regressing. So I, I'm going to put him in the um, uh, another category, an unnamed category. But the return to form definitely would be Matthews and Morgan Riley for me. Yeah, well, you know what? For Tavares, just the, the consummate professional. Right. And, and there's a reason why he's the captain, because he does. He has those kinds of attributes. And, you know, he comes into this season, finds half a step. Mitch Marner had a great year last year. He was one point away from being a 100 point player. I'll still call him a 100 point player. I know you won't, but I will. I'll give him that. Um, and as far as Matthews goes, it's it's crazy to think that a player can have a down year and still score 40 goals. And that's just not. Like, that's just not, oh, there's more goals going in and offensive it, offense is up. That's this guy is such an incredible talent and prolific goal scorer that he scores 40 when his wrist is bothering him or his back or, or whatever the case may be. The way Matthews has started the season with with back to back hat tricks, then he scores again in Washington um, and he's got seven goals on the season now. Um, he's back in a big way. He looks strong. He looks stable. Um, it looks like he's able to kind of welcome the body contact that he has welcomed in the past when he was at, at the top of his game, you know, the year where he scored 60 goals, you and I'd be in the building. And how many times did we watch him knife up and down the ice through checks, through sticks? And it just seemed like he would bulldoze his way around the ice last season. You know, when you're not healthy, it makes it a little more difficult to do that kind of stuff. So you really do have to pick your spots offensively a little bit more. That doesn't seem to be the case this year. It seems like he's back to that bulldozing way, that two-way force. And it's a great thing for the Leafs. It's a great thing for him. And, you know, I don't know if if, if you had him in a, in a bounce-back category because of 40 goals being a down year, uh, I don't think he's going to be looking at 40 this year. I think he's going to wave past 40 on his way to 50-plus. Yeah, I would say return to form just in, in how he looks. Forget about the totals. And you would apply that to Morgan Riley, too. We've seen him over the last week look like he did in the playoffs last year. That was that was a very impressive jump in performance that we saw from Morgan Riley last year when it hit playoff time. And you play in the regular season. It's an 82-game grind. He had some injury issues. He missed a lot of time. It's almost hard to look at the regular season in smaller segments because you just know there's so much runway still at the end of the tunnel. You get into a playoff situation where you know that you could be playing your last four games and down to your last game. It feels like you can really empty the tank a little bit. And Morgan Riley did that in the playoffs last year. And now turning that over into this season, he's obviously healthy. He looks like he's skating as well as he ever has. And it shows in his game because I'm not going to say it's the same kind of desperate hockey that you play in the playoffs because that's truly just not the case. It just can't be in October to start the next season. But I will say this, 
He's moving great. He's getting up and down the ice with a lot of ease. And one of the things that ailed him last year was the fact that because he couldn't move as well as he he normally can, he was never been a guy who's had to think his way around the ice. He's really relied on his legs and his skating ability. So it's hard to adapt. And I give him a lot of credit. He, he did his best to adapt to that last season, but it's just not the same player. So now you see him flying up and down the ice, understanding when to go, when to pick his spots. And maybe he's a smarter player now because he had to go through that experience, right? Like you, you get it thrust into a situation that you're not used to. You have to think a little bit more. And now you have that extra gear that you didn't have. So you maybe you learned a thing or two along the way and you know when you can activate a little bit more. Um, you know, it, it's part of the, the evolution of a player. Like just ask a guy like Mark Giordano, who's a Norris winner, who's been around the league a long time, still playing at 40 years old. Like that guy's not the most fleet of foot, but he can think the game quite well. And he does himself a lot of favors with the way he thinks his way around the ice. Morgan Riley's not in that category. Obviously, he's one of the faster players, one of the stronger players around the league, especially on the back end. But he's obviously learned a thing or two about thinking the game. And he looks great. Like you only notice Morgan Riley right now because he's doing things on the positive end. And you're not noticing him for basically anything negatively because there hasn't been anything to notice uh, about him in that regard. Yeah, totally agree. Um, so my concern, and this is an area you're a, a specialist in, is the blue line. Uh, with the Jake McCabe injury, things are starting to thin. Um, I just, I, I never did like the uh, the six-man unit. Now, obviously, the Connor Timmons uh, injury is, is a key factor, but I, I'm just a little concerned about how this tracks forward over the next couple of weeks. The Timmons injuries, uh, it's devastating for the kid. Because now Jake McCabe is out of the lineup. We don't know how long he's going to be out of the lineup, but he only plays 10 seconds of the game in Dallas. And this would have been the opportunity for Connor Timmons to step into the lineup. And listen, like the kid has put in a lot of work over the last year, basically from the time he was acquired by Toronto, used sparingly, although the times he was in the lineup last year looked good for the most part. His puck moving ability at times you question some of the decision making, but that kind of goes with the territory for a young player, especially a guy who hasn't played much over the last few seasons. And unfortunately for him, it's been injuries that have kept him out of the lineup. And so we know the story last year plays a little bit, does well, leaves bolster the blue line, and he basically gets put into player development mode. And that's tough. It's tough to go from being a guy who's fighting every day to kind of maintain your spot in the lineup and think you have a chance to do it to, hey, we're going to kind of banish you and you got to work on a few things and we're going to try and get you in a couple of graveyard shift games, you know, as, as the season dies down here and we've clinched things. And, you know, you go into that summer with that mindset, he came back, he had a terrific training camp. Like he did everything he needed to do to put himself in a situation where he could be thrust into the lineup this season. Now to have that taken away detrimental to him. It's also detrimental to the team because now you're in a situation where there's six defensemen and one of those guys, as you and I have talked about extensively, Jimmy and John Klingberg probably needs to be sheltered a little bit at five on five. So you don't yeah. want to rely on him and lean on him more than you have to. And with McCabe out, it's like, who are you bringing up now? There wasn't a ton there as far as guys that you think can come up from the Marlies and give you a regular shift. Let's call it whatever that means. Is that 13 minutes, 14 minutes, maybe 15 minutes. But it, it's just, it's very thin. It's very thin without Connor Timmons. And we know the blue line at some point, the complexion of it is going to have to change this year. 
if this team wants to compete for a Stanley Cup. But that's the risk you run when you know that you're basically going seven deep. Um, teams use way more than seven defensemen in, in, in an entire season. I remember the last year I was in Vancouver, we were down to our last 10 defensemen at camp. And I remember the D coach bringing us in and said, guys, there's 10 of you here. Just want you all to know we used 12 defensemen last year. So wow. all you guys at some point plan on getting in a game. Like they're obviously the regulars knew who they were basically yeah. talking to everyone else saying like, don't think you're, you're checked out because there's going to be guys going back to the minors. We use 12 guys. There's 10 of you here. You guys are going to get in games. Um, so you have to be able to now 12 is extreme. 10 is extreme, but you know, to have eight guys, to have eight guys that, you know, you can put in an NHL game and they're not going to look like a dumpster fire uh, is quite important. Now, We'll give guys the benefit of the doubt. We don't know who's coming up. We don't know what they're going to look like. Hopefully they can weather the storm as long as they possibly can. If the goaltender plays great, if the team outscores their problems, then you don't have to worry about this. Let's talk about the support players because I, I think you know they're, they're trending in the right direction. And I'm talking about Bertuzzi and Domi, but I think you still need to see more from them in a five-on-five -five situation. Yeah, I, I think Bertuzzi is is closer to doing it more consistently than Domi is, although we've seen some great flashes from Max Domi, more notably in the Tampa Bay game on the road. It's been a it's been a an interesting st start to the season for these guys because early in the season, you want to get as much practice time as you possibly can with the team. Because you want to learn things, you want to get your game reps in, but then you want to get back into practice and work on some stuff, get in the video room, all that kind of stuff. They start their season with the longest road trip that they're going to go on this year, where they go to Florida, they go to Washington, they go to Texas, and now they're going to finish off in Nashville. Now, ideally, like you'd have more practice time, you'd have more video time. That doesn't really happen on the road. On the road, it's kind of like... It's kind of bare bones. You play your games, you do your morning skate, you prepare for the night, but you're not really getting ahead in that regard. So it's tough. It's tough to make up ground on the road. Um, so I, you definitely have to keep that in mind. Bertuzzi, if you watch him, Sheldon Keefe talked about this after the game against Dallas. He's watched him closely, every puck touch he's had. And he said he's close. Like he's, he's really, like there's a lot of things that you'll watch and see in his game that can go underappreciated. And I would agree with that. And for Domi, like, I, I, I see the legs. Like, I see the foot speed. I see there's some playmaking ability. You know, if there's something that I would like to see a little bit more, like, there's just an example I saw against Dallas. There's a shift where, you know, he's skating full tilt. And I, I got appreciation there for that. He's skating as hard as he can. And Ryan Suter's got the puck behind the net. Suter moves the puck. He just kind of, like, turns and follows the puck. I would love to see him lay into Ryan Suter. That's an older player in the league, guy who still logs a decent amount of time. Just chip away at that guy a little bit. Now the puck goes, I can't remember if it went to Hawk and Paw or something like that. It's like, get a piece of that guy too. Like, you know, those, those kind of little things will help just get you a little more engaged physically in the game. You know, you go back to the bench, you're like, hey, I, I did something that shift. I took a piece out of that guy. I took a piece out of that guy. You, you just feel like you're, you got a little more purpose, you know, a little more involvement in the game. That's where I'd like to see Max Domi just kind of take another step here. But we've seen flashes from both guys. Um, and as the season goes on, maybe they're home a little bit longer. They get a little more practice time, find a groove with certain players. Um, there's still a lot of potential for both those guys to be upgrades on who was here in the past. At the end of the season, Jim, we should look at 
Max Domi and be able to say offensively, that was a nice upgrade over Alex Kerfoot. I think if we don't say that at the end of the season, then we didn't, the Leafs didn't really get their money's worth out of Max Domi. And for Bertuzzi, you're talking about an upgrade on bunting, aren't you? That's, that's exactly who I'd be referencing there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, Zach Hyman was great for the Leafs. He's gotten even better in his time in Edmonton, but Coming into this year, Bertuzzi scored 30. Bunting and Hyman had never scored 30, you know, on that line or prior to playing on that line. Like, this guy has done it before. Like, we should be saying that's the best winger that's played with Matthews and Marner during their time with the Leafs. They're, like, that's the ability that he has. Okay, so let's end on this. In respect to Bertuzzi and Domi, you're, you're talking about finding a fit. And so you you show up at a team – you know what you're capable of, but it's going to be tweaked to fit in with how the Leafs play and, and how it adds to the line they're playing on. So there's conversation there uh, at the end of a shift, at the end of a game, uh, during a practice. What you did here was good, but can you do this? And it takes a little while for that to become a natural sort of um, in-the-moment type of thing, like muscle memory is what we refer to when we're talking about golf. So it takes a while for that to happen naturally, doesn't it? Yes. Yeah. And, and you have to understand who you have, right, Jimmy? Like you can't just get a player and say, hey, you do this stuff really, really well. I don't really care about that, though, because we play this way here and we'd like you to do that. Don't sign that player then. Like you right. sign a player because you know what he is and you're going to use his strengths and implement them in your system and try and get the best out of it for your program. So for Bertuzzi, like it needs to be the guy that is a, a pain to play against, who stops on pucks, who finishes hits, but can make a play, can shoot the puck, can score the goal, right? Like he's he's a little bit of a throwback kind of player, right? Um, so I think that's important for him. And the same goes for Domi. When I say that, you know, Max Domi in the grand scheme of things at the end of the season should be an offensive upgrade over Alex Kerfoot because he's not as good defensively as Alex Kerfoot. So we know there's going to be a deficiency there, but that's, we're not asking him to be Alex Kerfoot defensively. We're just asking him to be an offensive upgrade over that kind of player, right? So know who you have, know what their strengths are, and know how you can implement that in the lineup. And Sheldon Keefe knows all that. And when they go through video and they, you know, try and target or pinpoint things that they can get better at, like they're not asking him to be anything that they aren't already. And I think that's important to keep in mind. And both those guys you know, when they're playing at their best, they have an element that this lineup could use. Frankie C., thanks for your time. Appreciate it. Thanks, Jimmy. I'm going to take the rest of the day off, just like you advised me to. Okay, yeah, you do that. Last minute of play in this podcast. All right, thank you, Mike Ross, for that time warning. Let's do a look at the split. Yes, guy, no guy on the way out. Yes, guy, no guy, number one. Joseph Wall leads the way. Oh, yes, guy. It's going to be interesting to see this guy grow into the number one goaltending spot for the Leafs. Nothing against Samsonov, but we want to see where Wall will take them. Yes, guy, no guy, number two. The blue line is an issue. Oh, yes, guy, it is. It's a little thin. Injuries are starting to creep in, so we'll see what happens. But it is an issue. Yes, guy, it is. And we go out on this. Yes, guy, no guy. The Leafs are in a good spot. Oh, yes, guy. You may not like how they get there, but at 5-2 and two after seven games, who would complain about that? That's a pretty good start. Maybe not the way you thought so. But it is a pretty good start. Thanks for stopping by. Hope you enjoy Leaf Sky 133. Hope you come back next week for Leaf Sky 134.